welcome, 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 welcome podcast. You're so welcome. Video number seven, episode seven. Nice to see you. We've got a hero amongst men here. Whoa. As we've just described earlier on. How do you feel about being called a hero amongst men? Mate, I'm honoured to be called a hero amongst men and honoured to be number seven. It's a good number. It is. Lucky seven, maybe? Strong no, I don't know. Maybe we've got to give it a lucky number. What's your lucky it's number? It's a number seven now. It's a number of perfection. Oh. Seven days in a week. Oh. So we've got Matthew Thompson here. Matthew Thompson. Best of Belfast. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Great to be here. Thank pleasure. You. Pleasure. Um, we're going to have a chit chat, see a little bit of information about you. Do you want to know what you're up to, what you do in your life? Yes. So, um, Matthew Thompson, what do you do? What do I do? Good question. Um, two years ago, I moved back to Northern Ireland after a three year stint, kind of getting traveling out of my system, working for non profits, doing all the sort of stuff you dream of doing every year 16. Mm-hmm. And I came back and I was like, I want to be self employed, I want to work for myself. And traditionally speaking, the skills that I have aren't how I imagine typical business people to be like. Mm. I kind of come from an English literature, more arts, more creative sort of background. And I always associated businessmen with suits, businesswomen that are really good at accounting. And business people who just have these kind of real corporate values, corporate attitudes. And so I excluded myself from that. But my real passion in life is writing and communicating. And so basically was looking at the marketplace, looking at what I have to offer and I says, how can I make a business out of this? Mm-hmm. How can I make money out of this? How can I add value out of this? And as a result, I've got thrown myself into the world of copywriting, yeah. which is basically just the fancy word for writing for businesses, writing adverts, yeah. doing the text on websites, all that sort of stuff, blog posts. And also I've been experimenting with this wonderful thing that we call podcasting yeah. and I've just been absolutely loving that. Crushing, crushing so the podcaster has become the podcastee. Oh. The, te- the tables have been turned, yes, so absolutely. It's very interesting you said about being self-employed. Yeah. What was the catalyst for that? What, what was the, the defining moment that you thought, listen, I don't want to work for somebody else. I kind of like the idea of working for myself. I would say two things. The first one is the cliche one, but uh, I'm not going to lie to you. It's the freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the freedom of being self-employed. Yeah. I love being able to take on projects and do work that I want to do. But actually, there's a non-selfish aspect to that. And the second thing is actually because I think the way I am, whether it's a personality thing, whether it's an attitude, whether it's just the way my skill set is, I do better whenever I know I'm making the maximum impact that I can. And actually being self-employed, it gives me the freedom to add more value. That mm. sounds very jargony and very kind of cliche. Yeah, like what, I, what I mean by that is whenever I'm working, and this is an issue I had in school, mm-hmm. whenever I'm working on a nine-to-five sort of schedule, mm-hmm. I just go back to like 16 year old Matthew in school who didn't want to be there, couldn't wait to get out, hated having to sit at the same desk every day, hated having to be controlled and actually I did crap work because of it. Mm -hmm. But seeing ever I have that freedom, Mm -hmm. it actually frees me up to do work that I know makes an impact. It helps me much more productive, even the way I charge my clients now. I mean extremely rarely will I quote for an hourly rate, extremely rarely will I quote for a daily rate because if that happens, I've just given myself a a long period of time that work has to take place in. Whereas if I'm working for myself, Mm If I work really hard, I can get my work done in two hours mm-hmm. and then I'm free. Mm-hmm. It works for me because it means I work less, but it actually serves the client better as well because I'm not wasting their time. Sure. So it's kind of twofold. When you worked for not for profits, did you experience like the nine to five grind? Like, I mean, I'm trying to figure out how did you arrive at that destination of this? I can't be bothered with that. Mm-hmm. So did you experience that before? I've been ingrained in this nine to five work ethic. Yeah, so school, yeah. I mean, schooling was obviously... So I school, know, I, I came know, from I school. Know, I don't know how many hours you do in school. Nine to, nine to I, three and a half. 
Yeah, exactly. When I left, you didn't need it, none I heard. Look at that, he's still an entrepreneur. Look, check that out. Um, no, I actually I, uh, lived and worked in New York City for three years. Oh, wow. And there was something about being in that environment. The city is fast paced, it's a really, really high pressure environment, mm-hmm. and everybody's just working 60 hours. Right, where, where, where the heck did that come from? That is a very, very no, long story. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. I Googled it. You're serious. How short do you want? Ah, here, that shows you guys. You can just Google it and get yourself out there. Uh, I was looking looking for an internship. My kind of personal values and my personal passions are always in surrounded people. People is at the core of what I do. That's a cliche, but here here we are. Um, (laughs) I was really interested in creating social services. I really wanted to kind of change lives from the ground up and be working boots on the ground with people. I want to be working in difficult environments, impoverished backgrounds. Uh, in New York City, I was working primarily with the homeless community, wow. a lot with drug addicts, and also really randomly, again, I'm trying to keep it short, uh, with chronic hoarders. So okay. people who, yes. they can't throw away things, and so they were facing eviction, they were facing fire hazards in their apartment, and they basically, their lives were being controlled by their inability to give things up. And did you uh, sort of like, obviously, like that's a mental health aspect we're gonna have to Absolutely. So did you yeah. have to, de- you to deal with their, essentially their problems or their mental baggage mental background, yeah. so a lot of the work that i was doing and to be honest i have been doing and even some ways i'm still doing is yeah. very much involved in the mental health space mm. so even though i've moved uh into kind of more like businessy and i've moved away from the traditional social services yeah. why i am going down this route still i think most things that i commit myself to it always feeds into those personal values of yes. wanting to make an impact on people's lives mm. and wanting to touch people's mental health awesome. raise awareness of it but also change but in that environment, I was doing a lot because um, my wife and I met an amazing German woman, way to go, Leo, uh, yes, called Leo. Jackie. Come on. Come on, Leo. 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 Come on. Leo. Give me a shout out here. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, it was a small organization and we were doing everything from the admin side of stuff to um, managing staff, managing volunteers, and then actually doing the work ourselves. So because the work was high intensity, um, on the ground stuff, like you said, dealing with people's yeah. mental health, dealing with people's difficult personalities, yeah. not everyone's easy to deal with, yeah. and then doing all that as well. Have we talked about this point for five minutes? <laughs> this is constant jive at each other here. <laughs> it was just, it was high pressure and it was high R load and high workload. Yes. And I wouldn't say that I burnt out, but yes. I think I was very close to doing I mean, so. What I'm trying to get at is, is it that, that length of time and work that made you want to get away from having a job, so to speak? I'm trying to figure out where that did that happen. Was it school you're saying, or was it a combination of school and this? No, for it's a combination of both, but it actually came down to me learning about myself. Okay, like what is it that I can contribute to this world? Mm. That's a very that's deep, esoteric, esoteric question. I think so. To the philosophy podcast. Hello, my name is Matthew. But at the end of the day, like you know yourself as entrepreneurs, there's plenty of things that you can spend your time doing, mm-hmm. and you're not the best person for the job. You sure. actually would be much, much better yes. getting Leo yes. to do to video do that. because that's his talent, that's what he's good at. Instead of and Harold. Don't forget Harry. Big Harold. Come on, Harry. Come on. And yeah. you know, as opposed to you putting exactly. in twenty hours in something that would take that Leo or Harry five hours. It's delegation and it's also right. ego too, I think a lot of that. Yeah. And so I, I think I have my whole life been a real jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I think it's really it's meant that I'm not as sharp as it could be. Okay. And so this season of my life, I'm trying to be way more focused. In one task, you mean? Yeah, in, 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 in a certain niche. area. Yeah. And that is to refine my skills, yeah. really develop a craft. You know, because I've been a jack of all uh, trades, I've never really had something 
that that's my thing. You know, some people, they're sprinters. Some people, they're designers. Some yeah. people, I'm really good with a camera. Yeah. Whereas for me, I was kind of just very well-rounded at a lot of different things. Yeah. I, I can relate to that. No, yeah, I can relate to that. And I really have enjoyed this season of sharpening what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is, the umbrella is really communication to change lives. Yeah. And so that involves writing. Yeah. It involves, involves writing for clients. It involves writing for myself. I'm very it involves jealous. publishing yeah. myself. Yeah. And it involves um, podcasting. So, you're, so you're it's all communication. Branding yourself as, I'm, I'm the wordsmith guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but, I mean, is that what you're going for? I would say it's more so I am um, I'm, I'm the words guy. Whether that's a word guy. You should get a W. You should get a W. The W man. The word guy. T-shirt. You know, almost like this t-shirt. I speak words well. We should get, we should get, well, why do we go eat W t-shirt? If I could do it for the rest of an accent, I would do it. We W. So that... The focus for that came out of frustration of being a jack of all trades or being yeah. kind of more all rounded. You were kind of yearning for something I could get behind. I want to get be the best at this one thing. Yeah, hundred okay. percent. And slightly caveat to that as well is in New York, I actually learned a really important lesson, and that was that I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. My whole life, I've been told that I was an extrovert. Yes. Um, well, when I was a child, I was painfully shy. I didn't yeah. really speak. Blah 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 blah. You know, had this kind of journey as a teen and was doing public speaking and all, but I've kind of always been branded as an extrovert because yes. I can public speak, I love public speaking, you good with people, I love mingling, I love yes. communicating. But actually, New York taught me from an energy perspective that I am a hardcore introvert. Yes. And for me to actually spend my time managing people, that's an abuse of my time because it drains me to the point where I can't focus on the things that I'm really good at. Yeah, there's also, that's the interesting, Sophie were in there talk, what we were talking about with your placement girl regarding like being alone in a different city. Like was that something, did you ever feel that? Did you ever feel like the diff- when you moved over there, obviously you were working with a lot of other people, but what was it like? This is me digressing because I remember we had the conversation. I, I would love a story, a New yeah. York story. Yeah. Give us that and give us what you Give us both do you bits in the ground story. So did you feel ever like you were alone at that point? Like there was nothing. To like answer that. your question, I. I don't mean to be just like opposition, opposition, no, adversary. I don't know. Uh, I didn't feel alone <laughs> enough. Uh, to be you honest, didn't? no, okay. I, I didn't feel alone enough. Okay. I felt like I couldn't escape from people. Really? And you know, that was maybe due to financial reasons. I had a lot of roommates. Okay. Um, I was surrounded by the people I was working with day by day, and as that's how I discovered I was an introvert. An introvert's nightmare. It was my yeah. yeah. And so even though I was loving the work I was doing, even though I was loving the people I was being around, and this was really, it was a misappropriation of my own time. You know, I was, it was my own fault mm-hmm. because I had the ego, because yeah. I wanted to be that master of, of all trades. Was that, that, was that trades. ego or was that insecurity? It was more so uh, wanting to make a difference, but being young and naive okay. and not understanding my own limitations. Okay. I have I definitely, since I've been young, no problem saying it. I've had like a superhero complex of I don't know why, whether I loved Marvel movies <laughs> whenever I was younger well, or, or the comics or whatever. But I always wanted to be the one that, that could do it all. Yeah. And in my and I don't even think that that was rooted in ego. Mm. Well, you could argue that, but it, it, most of what I was doing was rooted in the place of I want to change the world. I had a suicide attempt whenever I was eleven. And from that place, I kind of made all these big commitments of how I'm not going to waste my life. Mm. You know, even my even my relationship with God is very much rooted in this whole idea of don't want to waste my life. I want to make as much impact while I'm here as possible. Mm. I want to change the world. I want to bring other people with me. Mm. I want to make sure I don't waste every second. And as a result, that actually became the biggest kind of idol in my life. It became my biggest weakness was I was sprinting instead of running a marathon. 
And that that's, analogy made a lot of That's just for oh, you. Oh, I looked yeah, at you dead in the eye and I was yeah. like, oh, he's got to love he's this one. Guys, and he's like, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> and so for me, even now, you know, I'll be honest, the, the biggest personal difficulties that I face in my life this week yeah. are as a result of me trying to change from a sprinter into a marathon runner. Okay, yeah. And I found that very difficult. And even from business, the hardest lessons and the biggest things that I've learned is just how to be patient. Yeah. Realize that actually, and here's a, here's a great proverb for you. I spent some time in Rwanda whenever I was there, they shared this. It's kind of an African proverb. And they said, if you want to go quickly, mm-hmm. go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Oh wow, I like that. And I've spent my whole life sprinting, yeah. solo, trying to do it myself, yeah. trying to run, 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 run me, yeah. but then I run out of steam. And then that whole turtle in the hair sort of story where actually if you were part of a collective group mm-hmm. that were running the race together, you're going to go much further than you could ever go by yourself. Sure. But good. again, Very here's good. the tension. The tension is I am more of a freelancer than an entrepreneur. Yeah. What I mean by that is I have no desire to build a team. I have no desire to have a staff team of 50 people and run this big company. That's my idea of a nightmare. Yeah. And so it's how do I, as a solo entrepreneur, how do I build community around me? How do I outsource to other people? How do I be willing enough to pay other people to help me in my work mm-hmm. for the things that I can't do yeah. while not having to manage the staff team? So that's kind of, uh, that's a lot of stuff. Before we go too far, I want to get this story from New York. I just want to, I just think I find it very fascinating as a young guy moving to New York, as you're saying, helping with social services, helping with so many different kind of on the ground issues, homelessness, just give us an interesting story if off the top of your head of maybe something that happened. It would just be very interesting to hear something like that. I'll give you a real show booty story. Okay. Cool. Then we're looking forward to it. I don't use, I, I usually get, don't share this, but I'm going to get, get, like, get the popcorn I'm just going to do it, okay? So, because I think it, it shows you a lot about the city and it kind of shows you a lot. Anyway, so basically, um, it was my second year in the city. We lived uptown in a place called Washington Heights. Awesome neighborhood. It was a mixture between uh, Puerto Ricans and Dominicans, oh, and then lovely. if you go two streets over, it's really Orthodox Jewish, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really these two stark communities and whatever. But we would get the train from 181st Street all the way down to 14th Street, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a big week because we just had two new staff members come in, move into the apartment, and this was the first time we were taking the book down on the subway and all this sort of stuff, right? So you know we're we're on the subway. It's like 4 a.m. on Sunday morning. It's very very early, and we're waiting for the train. And everyone's kind of in headphone mode, everyone's completely zoned out. And then I was listening to music and kind of just like, you know, no one wanted to talk. And so we were just sort of like waiting for the train to come, the train would wake us up. And then literally out of the corner of my eye, I just saw this like big black bin bag fall onto the tracks. Right? It was probably about 100 meters away, okay? And I was like, what the heck's that? And then I kind of was uneasy about it and I got up on the lip and I was like, is that a, is that a dude? Is that a guy? Oh my God. And the guys I was with, they were like, I, I think so. And it was like one of those things in the movie where like you kind of just like scooby doo look at each other and it's yeah. like, you know what I mean? And like, and like the dust like still up in the air. Yeah. So we sprinted, bombed down, up the stairs, ran on the other side, jumped down onto the tracks. And yeah. I don't know if you've, if you've seen uh, the New York subway, but the, the tracks are like so ma- really deep. deep. Right. Like, I, I would go, I would venture to say maybe about six feet. Wow. You know, like it was maybe, well, I'm six foot. I think it was maybe up to here on me. So it was deep, right? So we get down, right right enough, it was this homeless guy and he'd fallen onto the tracks. Oh he landed right on the metal railing and he busted his head open. Oh right? 
So he was bleeding out. And we were like, flip me. We were freaking out. We were like, ah. What do we do? I was down. I was down the tracks, and I was like, uh, I think it was Halley. I was like, Halley, get down here right now! And like, ah! We're all freaking out. And we're like, we need to lift this fella. And yeah. no joke, I promise you, this will sound like it's made up. Look down the tracks on the way. See the lights. You hear the horn. We're on the ice. And the trains coming. Yeah. Not even joking. That's mental. And the way those trains are, like, no chance. The, where we were on the tracks, it was unlikely that he was going to be able to stop in time. And there was no emergency buttons or anything like that. And so it just hit us and we were like, we need to get this guy up right now. Yeah. And so we hit, like, we heaved him a hood and, like, the guy was a big guy. Like, yeah. he was probably, like, 200 pounds. And, you know, look at me, like, I'm hardly, like, you know, bench yeah. champion or anything like that. And so here's us, like, a bunch of scrawny wee white dudes, like, trying to, like, lift yeah. this guy up. We, uh, people are, like, while we're doing this, yeah. the platform and everyone around us realizes what's going on. Yes. And they see the train. And this is, the most, this is the most interesting part. This is why I want, I want to share this. Yeah. It just shows you kind of a bit of the spirit in New York. And everyone's saying, get up. Leave him. Leave no him. No way. It's not worth it. Oh my it's, not worth, it's not worth risking it for this guy. Actually, everyone was like, scream, get up, get up leave get him, up. come on, get it. And you're in that moment. And you're of course you're not. Yeah. And so we're heaving and we're holding. No one would actually even bother to help us because they, like, they just wow. didn't want to be involved, right? That's if there's any drama, no one wants to be involved. So we get the guy up, we get ourselves up, the train goes past, the guy stumbles to his feet, and he just goes, hey bro, you got my wallet on you, man? Oh my God. And we're like, uh, maybe, and someone hands him the wallet, so if his wallet had fallen on the track, yeah. the train door's open, he, walks in. he falls onto the subway platform, sorry, falls onto the train, <laughs> wallet in hand, yeah. Dun, dun. Doors close. We never see him again. Oh my gosh! Literally, that's carnage. And we were standing there, covered in blood. Like everyone was kind of like, "Did that just happen?" I was like, "Did that just happen?" And then we we went to work. It must be the best story I've ever heard in my life. It's a good story. So that's the show, buddy. One. There's lots of ones, but I was like, if you're gonna tell a story, that's incredible. Great story. I think the key takeaways for that was like it was so great because that experience helped us bond as roommates instantly. Mm-hmm. It also really pumped our new staff members up yeah. to like you're going to come to the city you're going to change lives yeah. like we are here like and a, a, it was a, a very faith filled yes. background yeah. and so everyone felt like they were sent to do something they felt like it was like part of their life that they had to be in New York at that time mm-hmm. and what an encouragement for those guys and even for myself that like what you're doing here matters like there's a, there's purpose for you being here mm-hmm. there are things that you need to do while you're here okay. and it was just very encouraging mm-hmm. that's, that's so, terrifying that the people didn't help about that worries me a little bit more than anything else it's heartbreaking it's, it's, not, it's not nice I, mean, I think like we're very very blessed in Northern Ireland to have we're a nice a people. real sense of community yeah. you know you, like, you think we're nice people guys do you nice. okay, I'm not getting any sort of like, like help over here <laughs> <laughs> you know but you know I think that happened. if that happened in Great Victoria Street yeah. different story 100%, 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. Exactly. also because yeah. it's like two feet deep it's still deep it's still deep enough the challenge is in New York they probably see it more often than you would think. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. That's a good point. In London, they see it quite a lot. But yeah. Belfast, Northern Ireland, we wouldn't see it that much. And, and in the defence of, I mean, I know we're really digressing here, but in the defence of the New Yorkers, there's so much homelessness yes. that it, you become numb to it. You know, there's a, there's a statistic and it's like, um, what, the story of one homeless man will break your heart, the story of a million will numb you. And, you know, there is a lot of truth in that because people are constantly being surrounded by the rawness of life, the real difficult things of yeah. life, whether it's drugs, homelessness, you know, whatever it is, 
you do build a bit of callousness about you because you have to. Mm. Um, but the challenge is, you know, how do you then love people? How do you then make an impact without going cold? You know. Yeah. Okay, so run that off. I like. I like just trying to make sure we get a lot of things covered here. Um, what are you doing right now, and what, what's the what's the plan of attack for the next few three year months and year? Yeah, so I would say I'm kind of like um, split personality disorder. Uh, there's three kind of main things that I'm working on. Mm. I suppose the first one would be um, my freelance brand. Okay. And the freelance brand is there's no brand. It's there's no logo. There's no name. It's just Matthew, right? Okay. And what I really love doing with that and the work that I really enjoy is. Um, copywriting for websites. Yeah. So primarily working with new brands, mm-hmm. people who have just started off and they need help constructing their story, how to communicate what they do, mm-hmm. how to actually show off to the world the amazing ideas they have, the amazing services they have, the amazing products they have. How do you communicate that in a way that is going to really like inception the idea mm-hmm. into your readers' yeah, minds, yeah, yeah. but also buy, make them buy into your values and everything like that. So mainly that's websites. Right. Um, and I love doing website projects because my nature is I love to throw myself into a task, throw myself into a project, yeah. like dive deep into it, mm. boom, 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 and then completely move on to something else. Yes. And so the website projects, they take me about a week, yes. and it's nice to move, you know, you do one week you're doing consultants mm-hmm. who are working with oil companies, the next week you're doing exactly. artists, the next week you're doing, yeah. you know, that's just... And how do, you, how do you get these? Do you get these through word of mouth, through social, through... It's word of mouth, yeah. yeah. So um, when I started out as a copywriter, I was just taking on all kinds of work. Like, I mean, I think I, I clocked it. I was looking back at some old journals <laughs> and I was clocking in like 40,000 words a week. Wow. And I was 100% of them were blog posts. Yeah. So I was working for kind of like a glorified content mill, yeah. which was just banging out articles for people. I would be sent a title, I'd be sent a keyword, and I would just boom, 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 boom. I cannot write to save my life. I'm horrific. Well, Lucky we've got Sophie and Fernandly here to be able to write comic <laughs> for us. So going on the topic of, say, <laughs> mental health, you're dealing with a lot of high-pressure things. Um, how do you stay mentally strong when you face challenges of not getting inspiration, find it difficult to finish a job under a time frame, managing multiple jobs at a time? How would you say you stay mentally strong for that? So the biggest thing is, and I swear I really want to write a book with this title. Please don't steal it. Shouldn't be saying this. No. I want to write a book called Do Less. Okay. And my biggest conviction in my life. Um, is that you should do less than what you're doing in an effort to do it better. Okay. And so, see... So explain that a bit further, just yeah. for, for the, the viewers that might not have got that. 100%. Time. So another way to put it is, you want to go deep instead of going wide. Instead, let's take, let's take something simple like my blog post, right? I was writing for the, uh, maybe like, I don't know, a, a lot of blog posts a week. For argument's sake, let's say I was writing 50 blog posts a week, okay? 50. Let's just, yeah. So I write those 50 blog posts, I send them out to the world. What impact does that have mm-hmm. on me, my business, or on the client? Because mm-hmm. whenever you're writing that amount of words, the quality is yeah. not, it's not out there. Yeah. Let's say instead, I wrote one blog post a week mm-hmm. for a client who's gonna pay me 100 times what you know the other people are paying yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. And I do one really high quality mm-hmm. blog post, I pump everything into it, I do my research, I sit down with yeah. the client, and it causes them to have, you know, maybe a hundred sales or a hundred people phoning them. Yes, or much more value. There's there. much more value yeah. in there. But you can only do that level of work yeah. if you're doing less mm. or apply it to other things in your life. 
another way to say it is learn to say no more. Mm-hmm. So whether it's speaking engagements, whether it's work, mm-hmm. I like I spend most of my weeks actually rejecting work mm-hmm. and rejecting opportunities, and that's been very hard for me because yeah. because I am a bit of a yes man by nature. Yeah. I, I like to you know I like to help people. I like to do it. I like to take on the work. I like to be busy. I like to be proactive. But the problem is, you take that on, and what happens is everything else suffers. Mm-hmm. Your mental health suffers because yeah. you're stressed. Your physical health suffers because you're not getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Your relationship with your wife suffers because you're not at home as much. If you have a wife. If you have a wife. Okay. Uh, your community suffers. Yeah. You know, your, your time with your bros, yeah. it suffers because you're working. Quality of your work suffers. And honestly, at the end of the day, I am a big believer that you're, you financially suffer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a, my favorite marketer in the world, actually one of my favorite people in the world is a guy called Seth Godin. And he always says, He's the man. He is the man. He is the man. He is the boy. <laughs> if you are racing to the bottom, you're always going to lose. Yeah. What that means is, if you're always trying to compete on price, if you're always trying to offer the most competitive rate and the lowest cost and everything, you're always going to lose. Yeah. It's a race you'll never win. Because someone is always going to get in there cheaper, faster, and better. Always. Yeah. If you race to the top, aka if you try to do more high quality work, mm-hmm. That's how you win, yeah. because you add more value to clients, which in turn allows you to charge more. Which as opposed, as opposed to taking money. stuff out, you're putting stuff in. Explain that. In the sense that, oh, how can I do this cheaper? I'll spend less time doing this, I'll just fire that. I'll do exactly. this. You actually, as you say, spend more time constructing valuable content mm-hmm. yeah. and adding value, yeah. as opposed to taking the value to get it cheaper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even another thing, really simply, from like a copywriter's perspective, I have stopped taking on work that's under £500 mm-hmm. because I would spend so much time doing Dollars. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I don't mean like that. I just mean, like, they, those could be few and far between. I know. But it's like, because here's the thing someone approaches me, they say, I want a blog post. Yeah. Let's say I charge them £100. It's a great, it's a good rate for a yeah, blog yeah, post, right? Yeah. I have to meet with them. Yeah. Takes me about two hours. Yeah. I have to sit down, learn about what they do. It takes like another hour. Yeah. And then I have to actually write the piece. Exactly. So whenever you actually work that out, mm-hmm. Your hourly, like what you're spending hourly, isn't mm-hmm. actually worth it because of all the groundwork that you have to put in mm-hmm. to do a small job. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're a wee bit more selective, I put it to you like this. I was talking to someone this morning. My first business when I was sixteen, I started a t-shirt business, right? Mm-hmm. I sell t-shirts, and I had this mentality of you got to sell as many as possible. Yeah. That's how you win business. It's all about volume, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh! <laughs> uh, we're selling these Glasgow t-shirts like kind of like really silly stuff like Harry Potter parody t-shirts so yeah. one was like Harry Otter it was like a wee otter with a wand and glasses mm. and all that sort of stuff but I, I, I was selling them for maybe like £7 pop right yeah. so my profit on that was I think 350 yeah. and I was like this is class I'm selling loads of them I'm printing them I'm printing, printing hundreds I'm like this is amazing mm-hmm. and then it just hit me one day I was like what if I put the price up to 15 mm-hmm. I put the price up to 15 and I was doing maybe half as many t-shirts mm-hmm. but I was more profitable than I was before mm-hmm. and that like blew my mind I was like I'm doing less <clears throat> I'm selling less but I'm actually making more so not only is it financially better it's actually also time better mm-hmm. and that lesson has kind of filtered into a lot of areas of my life yes how can I cut out as much low depth work low value work mm-hmm. out of my life because like I said I'm kind of on this crazy like mission to like change the world and make an impact and so I want the, I want that to be reflected in my business as well. I've got an interesting question that I've been... We'll it off, we've only got a few minutes left. One question, so. just one more question. Just practical advice, obviously when you're talking about it requires focus, practically how do you get focused? 
if you're going to sit down and have to spend two hours doing this, what kind of wee steps can you do, wee things can you do to get focused? So again, I'm going to tell you to do less, and I want to encourage you to take less meetings. I want you to check your emails less. I want you to check your social media less. And the best way for me to do that is organize your week, and then go take a step further and organize your month. Now, practically, what I mean by that is something that I've been doing the last month is I only t do meetings on Tuesday. The only day I'm available for meetings is, is a Tuesday. And do you know how much time you save mm. when you put your meetings in one box? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Because you know what else happens? You spend so much time going back and forward being like, oh, you free at this time? No, I'm not free at that time. Can you do root and branch? No, I can't have to do Starbucks. I don't want to go to Starbucks. Well, can you do Armand? No, I don't live in Armand. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Back and forth. Whereas if you just set up, uh, there's a great wee tool called Calendly, and it's literally people yeah, can yeah. book their own appointments. And you say, look, Find a Tuesday that works for you, book it in any time, and I'll see you there. That's and awesome. boom, you lose that communication. You save time on the communicating, but you also know that on a Monday, you're not having any meetings. No, exactly. Monday's, Monday's time to do your work, bro. Monday's time to make money. Yeah. Monday is time to stay focused. And so you're not you know, in the middle of a big project or a big design project, and you're, you're working away, and you're like, oh, crap, I've got to go and meet Sammy at 3 o'clock. Yeah. No, 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 you don't, because Monday's your work day. That's a good point. And um, same with your emails, same with your social media. You know, if you're in the habit of checking your email, you know, every 15 minutes, yeah. not only are you wasting time, but you're actually also, you're less effective at answering emails. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is, here's what happens, or it's same with Instagram DMs, same with, you know, Twitter DMs, same with notifications, same with everything. If you're constantly checking stuff, you know what happens? You're like, oh, I don't want to reply that right now. I'll reply that later. And then it just disappears, and it's yeah, big at this, yeah, and you forget to reply to people, mm -hmm. you have to spend time hoping stuff out. <laughs> I kind of stole this from, actually, Michael Jordan, of all people, there's really sports topical there things. You know, yeah. I am healthy fitness, come on, bring it on. He said something along the lines of, as this massive botch paraphrase, but he says something like, when I deal with something, I deal with something. Yeah. And what he means is, I, he only deals with something once. Yeah. And to explain that, take email as an example. Yeah. When you sign on to your, into your email account at a, a, you know, 5 p.m. on Tuesday in your designated email hour, you're there to deal with every single email. Yeah. You're not, you're not you're going to push it away. You're not going to avoid it. Yeah, you're yeah. going to sit down. You're going to work through them. You're going to deal with it, deal with it, deal with it, deal with it, deal with it. Done. Yeah. You have accomplished your task. You don't need to come back to this until your next designated email time. Yeah. And so doing things like that with your meetings, doing things like that with your email, not only does it make you more effective at those things, but it actually protects your precious time to do mm. the deep and focused work. Um, do you ever make exceptions or are you pretty strict about that? I'm pretty strict about it. My exceptions would be for my monthly clients. Um, if it doesn't work for um, like on, for, for like a new... But I guess, if you don't check your email until Tuesday and they email you on a Wednesday with an urgent, how do you know? Is it really ever that urgent? This is true. I'm not saying I check my email only on Tuesday and then no, I'm trying to work on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Okay. You know, even look, even if you limited it to once a day, yeah, that changed your life. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I really like calendar. Like, it advice. changed your life. I really at the end of the day, like try it for a month. Yeah. Um, and literally, if you if you don't check your email for a month, what's the worst that's gonna happen? Yeah. Now I know you're in a startup so stage. Yeah, some days they will do something other form yeah. of contact. And what you can do is you can figure out the most ideal way you want yeah. to be contacted. I want to be contacted by email. Yeah. See if you call my phone. Yeah, if you call my phone, it says, "So sorry, your call is really important to me. My phone's never switched on. Please email me <laughs> at matthew@bestbelfast.org." Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't want to have my phone distracting me from That's a deep focus I've, work. I've been chatting about this, and you've actually removed your smartphone generally from your social. Life outside of work, yeah, and that's because of this. If I had it on me, I've got a wee 
Nokia, that's my personal yeah. phone. And again, the only real emergencies in my life are gonna come from people who have my personal number. Yes. Um, I'm still experimenting. I'm thinking of maybe having a dedicated email address for my paid clients okay. so that they can email me. And that's something that I'll maybe check Great, yeah. every yeah. day. But see for all that other stuff, yeah. who else needs me? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, there, there's, a, there's a great BBC radio slot for you. If you miss it, who cares? Yeah. You know, is more, what, what's yeah. more important? Yeah. Spend all your life doing all these opportunities mm -hmm. or actually doing the work that you know you have to do but you're putting off. I like that a lot. Sorry. Imagine if we stopped the podcast already. That would be dreadful. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, would be dreadful. Very good. I <laughs> like that. That's a nice way to finish on, I think. Exactly. Oh, so, Guys, great podcast. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I, you. I loved it personally. Yeah, maybe I think I'll have a good chat. Like yeah. That. And so let's let's uh, finish how we started. You're king amongst men. King amongst men. Oh. Hero amongst men. Uh, we'll get Matthew tagged in. Best of Belfast. One of the one of the ones we're also throw up. Anything else? If somebody needs some work. What's from you? you? How do you get in touch? It's just Best of Belfast. Like, Instagram. Here's the thing. If you care about me at all, go. You'll find out. Type in Best of Belfast into your favorite podcast app. Listen to it. <laughs> That's it. Only one thing. Do uh, that. Brilliant. Awesome. Great. You're well, here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sue. You're awesome. a blessing. Appreciate it.